Hello and welcome to the Metal Cell Podcast. I'm here with Donny G and Martin Welch, two uh, senior members of the metal, I suppose, metal community of y'all. And I uh, just want to find out off boredom how they got into metal and stuff like that. So, Mart, where did you start? I started, I suppose, when, about, when I was 13 or 14. A guy called Billy Broderick actually introduced me to Tin Lizzy. And uh, we went from there to listen to the Scorpions. And when I heard another piece of meat, I just thought, oh, yeah, this is for me. So from there, it just progressed every year, year after year, listening to different bands and finding finding different bands. And uh, it was just a great time to be into metal and that. Because um, I remember we um, used to be on the street with our ghetto blasters. It could be cool. 10 or 12 of us there together. We used to walk down the street and head to parks out the Strand. And people just look at us like we had 10 heads, but we didn't care. Like, you know, we just were into the metal and we had our music and we didn't care about that. Like, you know? How old were you then? I was about 16 or 17, something like that. And Donny, did you know Martin at the time? or It was kind of a, what would I say, a, a longing to be part of a community. Something that was rebellious, something that was um, interesting, something that took me out of my comfort zone, something that made me want to belong to something. And there was very, very, very few people into heavy metal when I was a kid in the island. But I must admit, I mean, one of one of the one of my heroes is sitting right here beside me because Martin was it was and is a fucking legend. Excuse my French, is a legend and a really genuine nice guy, and he's got all the qualities that I'd like to have in, in my life. And you know, even younger in the younger days, Scorpions were. Even back in the late 70s, early 80s, Scorpions were a really heavy band. They were extreme at the time. Even think of Blackout and Love Drive and Animal Magnetism. Great albums and really heavy riffing and great vocals and great bass playing, great drumming. And Martin got me into the Scorpions, to be honest. And I'd always uh, thank him for that. And But I just kind of want the listeners to figure out as well, how are you getting those albums? Because, I mean, obviously, nowadays you just download them and stuff. But back in the day, was there kind of a record shop in y'all? Or how, how were you getting those albums in? To get the metal albums that time wasn't as easy as what it is now, like you know. I used to get um, Alan Prim in fairness in Yall used to get as many albums as he could for us, so he was a great local record store. But uh, the metal albums were kind of hard to come by, so there was a, there was a place uh, in London, called, a record store in London called Shades, and I used to regularly import uh, albums. That used to cost quite a few bob at the time, but you didn't care at the time you were working, you had a few bob and you were okay. So, um it went from there then to a guy called Tommy Toy in Dublin. He opened up, uh, and when Shades, Shades kind of stopped, and uh, Tommy Toy opened up a place called a Sound Cellar in, in, uh, in Dublin. And I used to get all my LPs from him after that. And I went from LPs and tapes to CDs. And uh, he actually called me a CD yuppie because I was one of the first guys who bought CDs off him. So I uh, still visit him to this day. Uh, great guy, Tommy Toy, and uh, a great record shop, I have got to say. Back in the day, I mean, I was probably 15 at the time. I used to call down to Donny's house and the array of LPs and stuff down there was nuts. You kind of wonder, like, I mean, what were, what were the prices of LPs at the time? And how much did you have to pay to get them over and stuff like that, Donny? Well, I remember... A fortune. I, I, actually, it was quite expensive, I must admit. Um... Your average new release, some shades would have been about four ninety nine sterling. Okay, so then, like even Kill 'Em All would, for example, have been four ninety nine, even though it was on Mega Force record label. But uh, depending, like Metal Shirt, for example, now uh, the first album would have been uh, six ninety nine. But when you convert that from uh, at the time from Irish pounds to sterling, it was quite expensive. But then you had to add in the extra cost of postage, which was quite expensive, and of course. The 
the, the badass thing about it when you when, at the, in those days you get records posted from Shades to Ireland occasionally you might get caught for uh, customs mm -hmm. which is extra money on yeah. top of the money you've already paid for your records occasionally they might get through without being caught but and uh, generally uh, all your records were um, were plastered with uh, an extra two or three pounds I remember a, a case like that uh, Donny I got a I bought a Gary Moore live album from um, it was live from uh, um, Japan or something like that and I it wound up paying about 30 pounds for the, for the album till it's, and the Jesus. customs got a hold of it yeah but I didn't care. I got it anyway, like, you know. But it was such a buzz getting those records from the yeah. uh, It was yeah. like, you, you were buzzed up because you, you hadn't heard the album before because whereas now it's so easy to stream things online and, and download and YouTube and whatever, you, you can you can hear an album before you buy it, which is a good thing, at the which is great because nowadays uh, you get that Catch-22 situation where you, you say, oh, I won't buy an album unless I've heard it. But then you you hear these albums now, you know what you're going to buy and you're going to support the bands, which is the most important thing at the end of the day. Anyway. That's a good point, actually. But like, I mean, were a lot of you buying albums by bands that you never heard of before? Were you kind of going by the covers or was it a gamble buying a band? It was, it yeah. was, because you, you, would, you would go by what, Shades had a little section in Kerrang! before. Where he said, oh, Kerrang! magazine, cool. Yeah. yeah. Where they would write down in, in brackets after a particular album, maybe mm -hmm. like trash metal, death metal, black metal, and in a certain case, a power metal or whatever. It was it was kind of cut down that kind of way. Where you might say, like even for the example, like Sodom, their their first album was that uh, what was a what was Sodom's first album again? Obsessed by Cruelty. That was the first yeah. full album, wasn't it? It was uh, it was kind of cut down that right, and you kind of pick up an album based on maybe what the recommendation that sounds might make on their little caption on Kerrang! magazine. But you would, generally you would not be let down. What they say was, is what you got at the end of the day. And then again, of course, you're gambling as well because you're relying on the postman delivering the album. And sometimes were those albums damaged and stuff like that? Or, or were, were they packaged well enough? Never got one damaged. Never got one damaged. Uh, and even like you'd wait for Friday to come, Alan Prim, you'd just hope that he had it. And some days you'd be really disappointed that he didn't have it, like, you know, but different times to now, completely different times. But you'd buy, by looking at the covers, you'd go, oh, this band look cool. I'll try this, this, like, you know, and that's the way it was, like, you know. Getting back then, um, gig wise and Cork, um, so we're kind of on about the late 70s, would that be right? Or Yeah, or it... yeah, I suppose really the first time I went to a gig, um, was in the Cork City Hall, I'd say. Lizzie was about 1979 or 80, I'd say, was the first time I saw Lizzie. How old did I, Mart? I was about um, 17, 16 or 17, yeah. And uh, Lizzie were on the City Hall um, with who, uh, I can't remember. I saw them three times and um, just, they were just an awesome band. Like It was just a pity the way things went. But the City Hall was a great place for a, for a gig. Saxon were there another time, and like the place was just just be rocking. You'd be heaving across, would forward to the stage, going sideways. You'd just be swept off your feet, and there was no stage stage diving at the time. Actually, like you know, yeah, that must have come in later. Lizzie were Lizzie were an hour great band because Lizzie are doing a tour at the moment. They're um, doing a tour. You you write a heap at the moment, and Scott Gorham was playing them. But I I I I remember um, actually. The first time I saw Lizzie was in a, Martin was there the same gig, it was 1983 in the City Hall. And uh, I was, uh, how old, you were asking, you were asking me how old I was. I was about 15, you were a couple of years older than me. But I remember standing at the front row and, and filling it with Benny's bass guitar in front of me. 
and he was standing about two feet away from me and I and he was down in his crotch kind of position plugging his <laughs> base and I was going and he's and he was right there only about a foot away from me and I had this terrible inclination to grab onto his his ankle and I couldn't control myself I, I kind of like just touched him vaguely and gra grabbed his ankle very, very very gingerly and he looked down at me and he kind of kicked my hand away and said get the fuck away from me you corky fucker <laughs> <laughs> and kind of again like the, the city hall the city hall gigs like um, that was fun kind of Rory Gallagher Mama's Boys any though like Rory probably Sweet was Savage were one band that were Mama's Boys supported Mama's Lizzie, Boys, didn't they Mama's Boys supported Lizzie and one of the other ones I yeah, forget who the third band was but the, the, both them um, support bands were um, were really good and Sweet Savage have a, a linking to Metallica, obviously. Oh, yeah, but didn't... With that tune that the Metallica didn't, covered in there. Yeah, but didn't Drive Shaft support Saxon, or was that the other way around? Uh, Drive Shaft did support Saxon, yeah. They were good, actually, yeah. 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 Are they still going, yeah? yeah? No. No, no. Where, no. Dr where were Drive Shaft from? Cork. Were they Cork Yeah, band? yeah, yeah. Okay, can you... Donny has, Donny has the, the EP... Yeah, no way. ...that he gave to me recently, yeah, and, yeah, I, actually, and, yeah, and yeah. I put it onto my laptop. Oh, cool, yeah. Wow, yeah, yeah. so a Cork band and yeah. heavy metal or rock, were they? Mick Mahar, that uh, is the drummer with that, the wedding band Arcadia. Yeah, yeah that's right, uh, yeah. He, he, he was in that band, and that guy They were called, bloody good, too. Oh, what's the guitarist's name? Oh, man, I can't think of his name, but... Yeah, they were a good band. They were they used to come to the ocean and you all, the ocean bear and you all, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's back so, away, so yeah, kind of that you brought it up then. So kind of the only back in the day then. So the only Irish bands that I would have known would have been Mama's Boys and Tin Lizzy. So there was Drive Shaft and who else? Oh, there was there was loads of local bands. Like we used to be, we used to go to the ocean there. In your in your yeah. called the spinning wheel and whatever it was called afterwards. And um, there used to be rock bands on there the whole time. As well as a DJ called Mick Sheehan, and That's right, the place used to be rocking Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. The, even the disco was there was a, a metal section where you could get out on the floor and put your head down, and everyone would be going. Back then, I suppose the Rainbow, the Purple, they were all hitting Spot the spot on. Okay, exactly. That's what it was, and there used to be a slow section too, like you know that they don't have anymore. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I so <laughs> so okay, so that was the city hall. So that was the main place for gigs in Cork, and then. Would you have gone to Dublin much or what back in the day? Oh, I know. yeah, we went plenty, yeah. yeah. Well, actually, I must admit the first time now um, that I actually went to Dublin was um, was with Richie, my good friend Richie McCarthy, um, who's over in New York at the moment. Uh, we went up on the 14th of September 1986 to um, to see Metallic and Anthrax play uh, in the, uh, was it a top hat, Mark, was it? No, SFX. Oh, SFX, yeah, SFX, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. yeah. I remember well, it was uh, we stayed in the... Um, we stayed in Isaac's hostel just off Gardner Street. And I remember at the time thinking, uh, after we left the gig, that was some set list because they played five songs off of Master of Puppets. They played five songs off uh, Right of Lightning. They played four songs of Kill em All. They did one, obviously, the bass solo by Cliff Burton. They played one cover version, which was obviously Diamond Head, Am I Evil? And it was a wicked gig. Now, to ask me the name of the songs of Kill Em All and Ride Lightning and Mass Purpose, that's a long story. But I, I, I could give it a good guess now, but it could probably bore the life out of the listeners doing that. Anyhow. You didn't meet him, no? Afterwards? No, I didn't. Unfortunately, I didn't know. But I think at that stage, Metallica had become such a... They were even in 86, they were huge. They were huge. They had such a cult following, so well-known internationally. They, 
it wasn't a case like it, as I said to Martin earlier about meeting a testament after the Antrax league only a few months later where Chuck, Billy and Eric and the boys were just walking around the car park having a beer talking to people I think Metallica even at that stage knew they were, they were superstars but um, unfortunately we had such a tragic accident only a couple of weeks uh, later after that um, which took the life of um, Cliff Burton which uh, really um, upset the whole metal community and, and really kind of put us in our place in the sense of like we obviously our condolence went to Cliff's uh, himself and his family of course and and it was it was tough going because the the band were really on on a on a whirlwind and really selling at that stage master of puppets was hitting on platinum sales and doing exceptionally well and the band were getting worldwide recognition and touring constantly and they put a lot of hard work in and it was a big kick in the in the ass but anyhow let's move on okay I think actually, Mart, you met Metallica, is that correct? What year and where or what was the I story? Met, I met um, Metallica, I was myself and Helen were in Shades in London Helen, your in wife. 1985, I think it was. And uh, they were going to play their first um, Donington, as we call it, download now. And uh, we were in London one day, we went to Shades to buy some LPs or whatever it was. And um, there was a big poster on the door um, that Metallica would be signing albums and etc. the following day. So uh, we, I said to Hedlund, we'll definitely come back tomorrow, you know, we might be going home. I said, well, we have to come back. So we... Um, we went back the following day and we got in the queue to see Metallica and uh, bought a couple of uh, EPs, Creeping Death was one of them I think, and we got them to sign them. And we got a couple of photographs that I have uh, at home, proudly at home. Of who? Of uh, Cliff Burton that passed away a few weeks after we saw them mm. in the in Dublin. Jeez, cool. Um, Helen has a photograph with um, James Hetfield and uh, I have a photograph with Lars and uh, Cliff Burton. So I have, I have them, I cherish them at home. So Not many people get to see them, but they are, they are. Yeah, I actually brought a camera to that Metallica gig, but it was one of those kind of disposable yokes you know, mm. where you take a photograph, and um, I took loads of photographs of Cliff Burton, and I thought, wow, I'm going to get some great photographs. I brought them back, got them um, processed, and they all came out blank. Oh, <laughs> Jesus. Yeah, but he was there, Cliff Burton, like, yeah, you saw him on stage. I only saw him once that time, and he was just the windmill used to call him. He was yeah, his yeah, hair yeah. used to be from start to finish. He, he was he, just buzzing he, around he, he like was he was unbelievable. Stage presence, yeah. unbelievable. I, I've spoken to a lot of Metallica fans who actually think that the best player Metallica ever had was uh, Jason Newsted, but because Jason's probably technically, I don't know, maybe technically better. I don't know, but I, I thought seeing as you said yourself, I saw Cliff Burton playing a stage of Metallica, and I thought he had an amazing stage presence. He looked the part, he played a part, and he and and the rest of the guys. You know, just they, they were they, they click so well at mm -hmm. the time. It was fantastic, yeah. yeah. And I'm glad we were there to see him because obviously we would never saw him again after that. Like him, yeah. it was only a couple of weeks later he died. Like that's true. Yeah, which mm -hmm. is very tragic. It was um, a troubled period then afterwards, and then obviously Jason Newsted joined. But I can remember um, going down to Donny's and with um, a TDK cassette, going Donny, can you give us um, some albums there? And one of them that he gave us was Master of Puppets and. I never forget it. It was just like, wow, because being a 14 year old, 15 year old, I was broke and stuff like that. So we just had the tape recorder, myself and Timmy. After that, then we just kind of started pestering Donny for um, as much as possible on a Friday night, went down with blank TDKs, hoping that Donny would kind of put on some good stuff. But what yeah. was your what was your recollection of those times, Donny? Well, I think I think the 80s. Um were a particularly strong time for trash metal, I'm sure Martin would agree. We a lot of a lot of class bands, I mean Testament and Violence and Metallica and Anthrax and Megadeth and obviously Slayer and Sepultura or 
sepulchra because there's such a thing on the internet about you pronounce a sepultura or sepultura who gives a crap anyhow the brazilian guys those days there were some great times in the 80s i mean spent a lot of money uh went to a lot of gigs fortunately i was that kind of teenage years when i was kind of going up to dublin to see a lot of bands and uh but look tony the bottom line was they were the better the best days of our lives yeah, yeah, I agree, Marin. Yeah, mm. it was great, yeah. yeah a bit of a pain in the ass, because I was always going to the back of Richard Mack's bike, and I always came up to Dublin with a big, massive pain in the ass. But, but it's worth it, though. But kind of, in relation to the two of you, I thought it was different, because, like, kind of, you definitely, Donny, went kind of towards the black metal scene, which oh. was kind of Celtic Frost, Venom, and stuff like that. Can you just kind of oh, describe yeah. how you kind of got into that, more so than Rainbow and oh, Deep Purple and yeah, stuff? Yeah, well, 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 my... Sorry for uh, monopolizing, maybe monopolize the conversation for a few minutes. But but uh, yeah, as you say, I I, I was um, a very much so into the classical rock kind of music, and uh, I always will be, and I always loved that. Uh, Ryan James Dio was my favorite singer of all time, but uh, and I love his long live rock and roll, Rainbow Rising, all that kind of stuff. But I did, I kind of, I, I I was always looking for something that was a bit more kind of extreme, a bit more heavy, a bit more. Uh, to the limits of what we, what what you can do or musically, not that it was any kind of musically kind of copious myself, but what I'm saying is that I, 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 I okay, Venom, it's kind of Venom say, okay, Venom, I think Venom, Venom kind of, kind of broke the mold in a certain extent because in 1982 when they released Black Metal, well, I'm no, Welcome to Hell was obviously released in 81. I didn't get Welcome to Hell. I got Black Metal when it was released. I got a copy in '83. A friend of mine from London picked it up for me and dropped it back over there, and then that kind of broke broke them all. And I know Metallica were very heavily influenced by um, by Venom, and there were certain bands like Battery and Merciful Fate and Celtic Frost bands that I really liked, and they were kind of more extreme. They were getting terrible reviews in all the magazines. They were called like crap. Battery's first album was called A Total Disaster, which which is not an R.I.P. Quarton, you know, great guy and miss all his music. But uh, yeah, what I kind of I, I kind of always wanted to, to, to kind of like expand my musical kind of horizons in a sense that I, I like extreme music. I like fast. I like blast beats. I like uh, tremolo picking. I like uh, good fast bass lines. Uh, I like really aggressive vocals. I like music that kind of makes me get up off the bed and trash around the room rather than lay down and just wallow whatever yeah anyhow i'm going on what i'm saying is that um yes uh, venom merciful fate you know all these kind of bands that kind of define who i am or who i am no why, why i'm sitting down here because of these bands if i wasn't influenced with these bands i wouldn't be here but you kind of i remember you telling me a good story about i think it might have been venom the first venom album you brought it to maybe martin and a few of them he's laughing here could you just tell the listeners about which well, venom or what happened there well, I, well or martin do you want to well no i mean it's 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 like no matter what you say about music some people like certain kinds of music some people don't like it, it, it some types of um uh, musical direction doesn't suit other people and i find i'm cool with that because my daughter brings music to me and i go to her well well i'm not really into that you know but uh but i, I okay i might listen to some other time but uh and as i say i mean music is music music is what you're into music is what boils your piss music what boils your blood music is what what what, what music is what wakes you up in the middle of the night and wants to put on a cd or an album music is what gets in your blood gets in your brain gets in your aura and that's what you are 
But yeah. if you're something else, you're something else. So music, music is probably the one, one of the most biggest creations that ever existed in humanity. Be it the wheel, be it the pyramid, music is what it is. Music is a personal thing. Music is something we can all appreciate, something we can all understand, and something. And sometimes music is something that we can we can pass on to somebody, somebody else, somebody a daughter, a son, a friend, whatever. And if they like it, they like it. If they don't like it, they don't like it. And I respect that. That's as far as I can go. As my woman goes, she'd always say to me, uh, your music comes first, Man United comes second, and I come third, baby. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> but I kind of, I remember then kind of going to Marty then um, for other kind of music, because, I mean, you were definitely Marty into your guitarists, I always felt more so than kind of um, the singers and stuff like that, because I remember calling up to yourself in Helen's flat, over um it might have been Irwin's maybe somewhere around there and you all Ross's flats yeah, yeah and um <laughs> Long time ago, kid. yeah of course yeah but I mean again you had a different side of music to yeah, Donny and, it, and completely yeah and completely. it was kind of a lot of it was maybe Joe Satriani and stuff yeah. like that can you just talk even through how did Donny, you get into that even though Donny and myself had a lot in common we had the metal bands in between with Metallica and all them bands but I came up with ACDC and Lizzie and Scorpions and all that stuff and then I, st I started hearing these guys um, uh, Joe Satriani, Steve Vai, Vinnie Moore and it was just unreal and they were, just, they were, they were all instrumental albums and uh, I just when I heard these guys I just went wow and still to this day I love hearing guys playing guitar and stuff like that like you know would you get an opportunity to ever see these lads when they were releasing those albums they were kind of mainly no they were mainly in America like you know you wouldn't see many of them here um, I, I saw Ingwie Malmsteen actually in the top hat in um, I nearly said for my but in the top hat in Dunleary and I just he was obnoxious he was unreal he was probably the best guitarist that I've ever seen in my life the way he played it. I couldn't get over him. He was unreal. To, to this day, I said to him, like, that night was unreal. He was just amazing. He had songs that time, actually, and they were, they were quite good albums. He had a couple albums with Jordan Tunnel that used to be with Rainbow, and uh, I really I really liked that stuff. So I did. I, he was one of the guys that I did get to see. Uh, he wasn't... I don't think... I met the guys from another band afterwards, and they said he was just hard to deal with, like, you know, which he probably was, because he, he probably thought he was top of the world and the king of the world. Like, still to this day, I've seen Gary Moore, and I've seen many, many more guitars. He was just unbelievable. What, when was that, Mark, roughly? That was in the top hat, I'd say, in the early 90s, 91, 92, that kind of a way, like, you know. Kind of, again, when you look at the 90s, I kind of feel that kind of that was a tough time in relation to because that's what I love trash metal it kind of just died a bit with kind of grunge and stuff like that mm. and kind of we all kind of had to take a step back and kind of go I wonder is metal kind of dying because of course Metallica released the Black Album and stuff like that and kind of then after that it was just kind of a vacuum where there was no kind of real good trash bands and stuff I think that's probably where a lot of people kind of went into kind of either black metal and stuff or new metal and stuff or you you kind of jumped on with the grunge so it's kind of hard in one way but i kind of definitely remember um acid rain coming to cork and trying to persuade you to go to a mart <laughs> and i think it was in sir henry's but yeah. have you any recollections in relation to that gig because oh, uh oh jesus i have <laughs> just tell what happened tell the lads what happened there uh, Wayne Fitzgerald, I think, was with me. I don't know who else went. You were there, and Donny was there, I think, as well. And, uh, oh, man, I love just standing back and watching the band and just do whatever they wanted to do. But this night, Wayne Fitzgerald said to me, go on, get up. You must get up, like. And uh, two guys lifted me onto their shoulders, man. And 
There wasn't enough big enough crowd there. And uh, so what happened to me? Just fell straight down on my ass, my back, and hopped my head off the ground. And I said, that is the first and last time I'll be doing that shit. <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> but um, I think then kind of really, for for a short period of time, bands started coming to Cork, which was unusual. Um, and we had venues like Nancy Spain's in Cork, which hosted Obituary, which I'll never forget. And Cerebral Fix. Cerebral well, yeah. Fix, yeah. That's correct. Yeah. Um, Great gig. Paradise Lost came there. Mm. I missed that gig. gig, gig was yeah, um, there was there was a lot of activity suddenly in Cork, and then I think kind of the Kruschkin lawn then kind of sprouted up after that. Yeah, so yeah, I mean, Donny, I mean Jesus, you saw yeah, Boltro yeah. there. Yeah, it was it, Kruschkin lawn really kind of um, took off as a venue. Um, I think uh, I think it's Tom from Fred Zeppelin's kind of run the place at the time. But you, with so many bands playing there, we had, um, as you say, we had um, actually Exodus played there one night, which was a fantastic gig. And we had Boltrower, we had Decapitated, we had numerous bands that, big, big name bands that played in the Krushkin Lawn, 1349, Gorgorat, if you're into your black metal, really played really well. Actually met um, the, the members of Gorgorat, and you know, um, Afterwards, really cool people, but uh, it was kind of unusual to see such big names. Band Cannibal Corpse played there one night, but um, and it was the buzz was really good for such a long time. I remember going to so many gigs up there. A Primordial played there, Amon and Mart, all these bands, and I remember going to see Primordial one night. And uh, of course, I had to drive up, you know, I couldn't drive back, so I drank a shitload of beer, and I fell asleep in the car outside afterwards for the night. You know, I couldn't drive back that night because I had about twenty pints. It was even an ordeal driving back the following day. Don't tell the police. But anyway, uh, in more important things besides my beer consumption, um, it was a great time. But I think what really, I don't know really what really happened in Cork because there was such a such a buzz. I, I remember going to a, a, one particular gig in a Kruskin by a band from Singapore called uh, Impiety. And I, I had two of their albums and I really liked the band and... Went in, went in, and there was um uh, one uh, two guy two people behind the counter, and uh, and and the support band were really good. I can't remember their name. They were an English band, but uh, when Impiety came on, eventually it was a support band myself and two of my friends and two other guys. There was about ten people at the gig, and I said, you know something? Uh, I think Cork is kind of waning when it comes to the support for bands that are arriving here, and there were a lot of good uh, there were a lot of good Cork bands too around at the same time. And unfortunately, um, I think the promoters are obviously suffering big time. They weren't making any kind of, well, they were not there to make money in the first place. But they, were, they weren't making any kind of uh, feed, uh, kind of, they weren't even cutting even, basically. They were losing money. So if you're, going to, if you're making an investment in the music in any kind of venue or any kind of uh, area, if you're losing money, you love the music, but when it, when it comes out of your pocket, you're going to suffer. So I think uh, Limerick has t- definitely taken up the slack uh, at the moment. A lot of good bands up there. I was very fortunate to see a Destroyer 666 there last year with my good friend Richie, which I'm talking here, and a great Limerick band, Zella Cult, who are doing very, very well. And if you haven't checked out their debut album, which took about 40 years to come out, but it's here eventually, and it's very, very good. You can buy it off the band. Really cool. Check it out. Back to you, Rich. Yeah, um, it's a good point, actually, with Limerick. Um, It's just frustrating for us in Cork. I mean... Just kind of forgetting international acts and European acts there, they, they don't seem to be coming anymore. But luckily enough for us, the local scene is fantastic. But I just want to kind of go back to Martin there because, I mean, with with the Krushkin Lawn, I mean, it was extreme bands that were coming there. And I suppose you didn't kind of really get up to see much of them, Mark. But I no, do, I, no. I'm, I'm really glad that we did bring you to Limerick, to Dolan's, to see Corrosion of Conformity. Yeah, absolutely. 
But I got to say one thing. We saw Wayne T at the coach oh, game. Wayne T, yes, there you go. You were, Richie, you were there. Donny was there. We had with some night. My ears were blown off me. It was so loud. Oh, I was there for three days. But I went to see COC in Limerick with the boys there back in November or something like that. Mm. Got to say, I enjoyed it. We had a great crack. Timmy, Terry, myself and Richie went up and we had a great, we had a great drive up. And Timmy was, was driving, but he wasn't drinking. So we had a great crack on the way. A few beers and drove him mad. But COC, were, I have their early albums. Good band and put on a great show. Yeah, in fairness, yeah. I actually remember seeing um, them supporting Metallica. I think it could have been... In the Point. In the, yeah, in the it was point, In the Point. Yeah. I'm not sure yeah. what album was that. Were uh, you at that? Wise no? Blood, I'd say, was it? Yeah, it yeah. was around that time. Yeah, 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 yeah definitely, yeah. So Metallica kind of had the rig set up. So kind of, if you were watching it, the whole rig collapsed around and there was guys falling left, right and centre. That's so it correct, was, yeah. So yeah. I, think I came away from that actually not convinced that there was someone yeah. after getting hurt. It was very good. Where year was that, Martin? I missed that one. I must have been abroad somewhere, was I? There was... 93? Yeah, I guess. I guess. that, yeah, because the Black Album was about 91, I think. They came, they were on the point as well, yeah. yeah. Like, Metallica definitely have come to our shores a few times, but, I mean, I remember got to see them in the RDS. I think Linkin Park mm-hmm. actually supported them. But when they came on stage, Linkin Park were just... the People just threw bottles at Linkin Park. You know, they were just not appreciated... You know, uh, yeah. what were they doing you on can, the bill, you know? You can take that as you leave it. Like, Avenged Sevenfold, I see fellas not liking them either, but, like, you must give people a chance. And I like them bands. Donny likes the death metal scene more, Actually, I more like than that. that like, you know, know? That, that City of Sin album he gave me, Avenged Sevenfold, that's a good album. I really enjoy yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. I kind of like it. Nightmare is a good album. I, well, yeah, I, yeah. So I'm very yeah. open-minded. I like Avenged mm-hmm. Sevenfold, everything from Avenged Sevenfold to the most extreme black metal you could ever imagine. But, like, you can go on Facebook every day of the week and people put up stuff and when you see the dissing that goes on behind it I just oh. go why do you do it just don't bother like you know please like you know it just drives me crazy like yeah because again you know you're old school you know and you kind of back in the day you wouldn't see the criticism because obviously the internet wasn't around as much but I mean nowadays it's you seem to have access to every band which is through Spotify and stuff like that. So, you know, you're spoiled for choice. And 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 the main thing I kind of want to kind of talk to you about is, is try and get you back to going to gigs locally anyway, boys, because, you know, just to try and get the scene supported. But I know, again, it's the quality and stuff. I must just like, say about our local place, the clock, in your, your yeah. from when we were 16 or 17, it was great. Rock bands came from all around the place today, or like, you know, every weekend. And uh, you met you met um, some great bands that, like, were young and starting out. It was just a great pub. It was a great place to see a rock band. I just want to ask you there about um, maybe some of your most memorable gigs. Yeah, all I could say is every Metallica gig that I've been at over the years, I've never been disappointed by them. An absolutely great band. But in the early days, I can remember going to see Lizzie. I actually went to see ACDC uh, in the RDS in 1982, I think it was. And uh, there was a support band with them called Y&T. And I just went, man, who are this band? They're awesome. And I thought on the night, ACDC were outstanding. It was a great gig. Which, with, uh, which tour was that? Or uh, which for those was about to rock. Oh, it, cool. was, it was really in the, in the best years of ACDC. Like, you know, that was a great album. I know probably Black and Black was... Considered the best album. I, I, I saw this band for the first time, Y&T. They were on the undercard and I just thought they were amazing. And I said to Helen, Jesus, this band are unreal. And I've been listening to them ever since. They're just a great band, very underrated. Never got the credit that they should have deserved. Like, they should have been on the big stage, really, like, you know. Um, 
Ozzy, I saw him on the Ultimate Tour scene in Dublin and uh, with Jakey Lee, and it was just amazing, just outstanding. Uh, they were like with, with the Lazy gigs early in the early days. They were they were great gigs. Um, were in '83. There was a there was a, a festival on in Daly Mount Park. Uh, Black Sabbath were headlining it. Ian Gillen was singing with Black Sabbath, which was really strange. But yeah, uh, that's a cool one. It was the first and only time I saw Black Sabbath, and uh, it was a really good day. We had a great day out. There were some great bands on there: Twisted Sister, Anvil, Motorhead, Diamond Head. What were Motorhead like? Motorhead. Motorhead didn't have a good day, i got to say. I don't know for what strange reason, um, but they started. Brian Robertson was playing guitar with him at the same time, the next Lizzie guitars, and it didn't go down well, and for whatever reason, Lemmy took a switch, and uh, they walked off the stage. Jesus. Yeah, okay. they did, yeah. And what what kind of what album was that? Nineteen eighty three. It was in nineteen eighty three. Uh, Motorhead album was in nineteen eighty three. They called that album actually. Jesus, yeah, I think it was. Yeah, and, and Brian really, Robertson was on it. Yeah, yeah. Wow. yeah. I actually wasn't too interested in, in Twisted Sister, but I got to say, Decider was just a, a great frontman. Tony, we saw them um, in Bloodstock. Was it last year, Twisted Sister, or the year before that, I think? Yeah, we did. We we saw Twisted Sister. I they think were it, brilliant. I, I couldn't believe how good they were. I think it was kind of posted at the time as probably their last ever UK yeah, geek. Yeah. But I know Dee has brought out a, a, an album only recently, his, a solo album, which has been getting great reviews, which is kind of cool and good for him. And he's always been a very outspoken person when it comes to heavy metal. He's always stood up for the philosophies of heavy metal and has never has never taken any shit from anybody and yeah. you got to respect him for that but um getting back to your original question about what kind of gigs are m- most memorable in, in in my time which has been the last uh 30 odd years i'd have to say um i go with martin about wood y&t unfortunately i didn't see y&t when they supported um acdc nerd Back in the Thunder and Lightning tour, uh, sorry for those who the rock tour, can't think of ACDC. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I got I got a chance to to meet Dave Manichetti and his beautiful wife. What's her first name? Jill. Yeah, Jill. What a cool cat. Because um, I went over Martin twice there over the years, and then they actually ended up playing in the Krushkin Lawn uh, for a, for for a show, and it was really cool. And I met Jill at the at the. Um, the, the merchandise counter and she was like oh she said to me oh you didn't have to travel so far to see us this time because she knew I was from Cork and she was really cool like you know and uh, at the same time uh, Dave was up on the stage playing a song called Dirty Girl and I turned over to Jill and I said Jill did, did Dave write that song about you and she said to me oh Donnie don't be so stupid that song was written, <laughs> that song was written well before he knew me <laughs> But anyhow, getting back to the gigs that I remember, obviously I remember not too much of Black Sabbath because I, I went to see Black Sabbath there a couple of about two years ago to play in the Point Arena when Ozzy was up to scratch and he actually performed vocally really, really, really good. I was well impressed and the rest of the band were in top form, I must admit. But sometimes, well, getting back to bands who I always wanted to see was Venom over the years because I've been being a huge Venom fan. And I got an opportunity to see Venom uh, Bloodstock a couple of years ago, and they played on a very sunny afternoon. I could barely see Cronus. And uh, it, they were brilliant. They were Rage was playing on the guitar, and uh, uh, Dante on drums, and Dante is some drummer. like. And Cronus has got a great back in, back in band. Well, I don't know, back in band, whatever. There's such a debate going on about who's the real Venom and who's not the real Venom. Is it Venom Inc.? Is it Venom Venom? It doesn't matter. Just mind, once you enjoy the music, that's the most important thing. But then you get the bands like Boltor, 
Ultra, another good British band from Birmingham. Did you actually and, uh, meet the singer or something like that? Yes, I did. Well, I just got to say, I just got to say R.I.P. Martin Kearns because uh, he was the most amazing drummer, solid drummer, great guy, and we're sorry he's passed. But uh, I did. I met, I, 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 I seen Martin playing uh, with, with, with Carol and the boys and, and Joe Bench, of course. Joe is a, a really, really sexy bass player, as we all know. And she was kind of like... She's well protected by the band, obviously, because you don't want a, like a horde of zombies attacking her during a gig. But yeah, I met Carol after the gig, and um, I think at that stage of the game, I was kind of after drinking copious amounts of drink, which we all do at a gig anyway, because that's what heavy metal is all about—drinking and having fun and horns up and having the crack. But uh, a friend of mine introduced me to Carol, but uh, unfortunately, I might have tripped over a lead or something <laughs> because or this because uh, I kind of fell down the floor in front of him. And uh, he didn't really appreciate it, but it doesn't matter. I, I just about grabbed his hand before I hit the deck. But it was all good, anyway. It was all good. And, of course, then you got gigs like at the marquee gigs in London when I was over there in the early 90s. 90s, you got bands like Notorious and Napalm Debt and Gangrene, all these bands. And actually, Boltrow as well that particular time. You actually saw Gangrene? I did, yeah. Gangrene were amazing. What were they like? Wow. That was... I, I, I remember Gangrene for one specific reason. That was because of the professionalism of the uh, stage diving wow yeah because I, I've been to other gigs previous where stage diving is done where it's done very unprofessional where you get people get hurt professional stage diving yes exactly so what we had was in Gangrene and it played out wow they were so cool really good hardcore rock music what you do is you stand up beside the speaker you walk across a bit of a kind of a step of a stage and you put your hands up and people with their hands up and you dive in it's kind of a circle of stage diving and it was done so well that it gets it gets completely contagious so you can't help you get back up you get back did down did you actually stage dive is that what you're trying to oh, say I, was done, I, I don't know it must be done about 50 times you did in the space of <laughs> in the space of about an hour I must have staged like 50 so times so what happened to me that night that's it rain well I think you were at the wrong there was no Martin. one there yeah there was no you, you should have been with me buddy I would have caught you <laughs> I would have made sure you would, you didn't bang your head off the ground dude but you're you're a big guy, March. You know what I mean? I am, yeah. You know what I mean? Well, bands like Gangrene. That was in America in London when I was over there. I was I was there fortunately for a couple of years when I couldn't get an employment in in Ireland. But anyway, it was good times. Other bands and like Demolition. I, got, I went to a great gig one night up in North London in Camden Town. There was a uh, four bands playing. Uh, Demolition Hammer came on first. Great band. Really good trashy kind of stuff. I really enjoyed it. I'd heard about the band. I knew the fir- I heard the first album, which was really cool. And then another band called Morgoth came on, a German band, really, really cool. I had their stuff as well, Eternal Falls, some of that stuff was really cool. And then, of course, you Cancer. Cancer hadn't had their second album, it was the first album that came out at the time. Um, um, it was Cancer fucking Cancer. It was, well, anyhow, but anyhow, obituary headline, James Murphy was playing. Fantastic show. Amazing, because there was a bit of aggression going on in, in the audience. There was a big guy. He must be almost six foot ten. And he was running around the place, waving his arms and busting people's heads up. And, and I was standing and he was getting the, the pit was going mad and I was going, fuck this. Anyhow. So anyhow, I saw these two English guys who were looking at him as well. And we said, we make a plan. So this guy was busting everybody up. So what I did was, all right, what I did was, all right, I actually jumped up in the guy's back, grabbed him around the neck, okay? And the two English guys who I just befriended only about 10 minutes earlier took one leg each. (laughs) And what did we do? We took him down like Goliath. He went down like a ton of fucking bricks. (laughs) 
happy days. <laughs> yeah, these are the memories that you like. You just come here. I just got to tell you a recent memory. Okay, I just got to tell you a recent memory. We went to see um, Slash and Wild Candy in the Point a couple of years ago. Myself and Joe and uh, Helen, and it was a great night, great gig. Love uh, Alter Bridge and um, Slash. But uh, Y and T were playing the following night in. I, I forget where, Wexford Street or somewhere. And uh, went on the beer, of course, after the night before, at 12 o'clock in the morning. Wine tea, weren't playing till half eight or nine o'clock that night. Got in, he was loving the gig. Helen's back, back's not good. So she sat down over at the side with an old lady. She kills me for this. An old lady at the gig? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Do you know who's, who the old lady was? Phil Linus' mother. Oh, cool. Right, okay. Oh, cool. Okay. So Helen comes over to me, she said, Phil Linus' mother's over there. She said to me, and he goes, no, you're joking. I said, no way, I said. <laughs> so she said, she is. So we're going out of the gig, and these guys are showing us the photographs with Phil Linus' mother. And Helen goes, you're some prick, she said to me. <laughs> totally missed out on the opportunity. Yeah, absolutely. And kills me since, kills me since over. And go, never seen Queen. She loves Queen. Not, seen, not going to Queen. She comes to every gig with me. And she still kills me over no, Queen. Same Queen. Yeah. No, I know both of you um, love Scorpions. Have you ever actually oh, seen yeah. them live? Yeah. Uh, when and where? I've luckily seen them. T- luckily, I mean, it would be nice to see them more. But I've seen them in about 1991 uh, in Wembley Arena with Cormac, uh, Cormac Hogan was staying in London at the time and I went to see them, Scorpions with them and that's the Winger were supporting them. Uh, it was a great gig. But I got to see them in 2008 with Tommy Hutton, my good friend, in the Hammersmith Opala. And it was just probably the best gig that I ever saw. These guys are not young fellas, but they just put on an amazing show and have the best tunes of any band anywhere. And I just still love that band. You you must admit that um, when when it comes to Scorpions, um, uh, actually, I'll admit, I'll put my hands up, I've never, never seen them live. But saying that, I mean, when I think of Scorpions, I think of coast to coast. Those kind of that that, that instrumental is just amazing. Mm-hmm. Because the first Scorpions album I ever bought was um, a Blackout in nineteen eighty-two from from Alan Prim. Okay, and yeah. it, uh, he used to um, sell uh, vinyl and CDs and whatever. So he had Scorpions, Scorpions for sale. Yeah. yeah. So I actually yeah. asked Alan, could he pick up uh, a copy of um, Scorpions Blackout? Which had so many classic songs, and I like. Uh, I actually bought that album in Easton's in Cork. They used to have a record store upstairs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was waiting for it and waiting for it and waiting for it, and was he got it? It, it was, was, a, it was it, an amazing it, album. It was like your good self, Martin, put me on the Scorpions because the previous album would have been uh, Animal Magnetism, correct? Yeah, and the album before that would have been Love Drive. Yeah. So then, we see, I think that before that, then you're going back into the 70s, kind of with Yugi um, John Roth. Yes, correct. Yeah. Because I remember, I remember, God bless my dad, I, when he went to America years ago, he said to me, if you can pick me up a copy of it, he had Flight of the Rainbow, which was actually Scorpion's second album. I think the first album was Lonesome Crow, was it? Yeah. Yeah, and I think you, I, I think, think I gave, about, I think you, I actually gave them to you alone in vinyl years ago, didn't Yeah, I? you did, Donnie, yeah. It's gone back a while now. Yeah. If you yeah. think about it, that band are gone since the early 70s. And yeah. they are still touring today, selling out arenas all over the oh, world. Oh, it's, it's incredible. It's nuts. Yeah. Yeah. It's it nuts. But it's singing like Little Cross Men turned 70 recently. Like, but I think, 70. 70. Yeah, I yeah. mean, like, even incredible. Like, I mean, the, the album after um, uh, Blackout, uh, Love It First Thing, would rock you like a hurricane. Yeah. That was a big American yeah. that bloomed big time, you know. And, and genuine, fair folks from their German band. And 
were they, they they were a German band and they sing in English. And uh, my second favorite German band would be Rammstein, who have a new album coming out very soon after about nine or ten years, and it should be quite good because I, I actually was very very fortunate to see Rammstein play in the Tree Arena in Dublin. Yeah, I was at that, and one that of the was, best gigs that was, I was ever. That at. was quite an amazing show. Uh, really, really good tunes. Great performers, no bullshit. What you see is what you get. It was but I'll just throw it out to you there. What do you think is is the formula that German bands have that they're so good? I mean, you could go, okay, Scorpions, you've got Creator, you've got Destruction, Halloween. you've got Halloween, Sodom. What, in your own opinion, what makes them so good at what they do? Is it just because they're German? <laughs> well, that's kind of a, kind of a question. Uh, Teutonic trash, you mean tanker? Yeah, yeah, accept. I think it's accept. Yeah, fast as a shark. Well, great band. Wow. But, but, but go back to your question: What makes them so good? I think it's just the fact that they they, they want to be good. They want to perform. They want to um, they want to play music. They want to play live. They want to record music. They want to just be what they can be because I'm I'm sure a lot of people think that American music and British music or UK music is, is, is that's the end be all and end all, but there's a lot of great there's a lot of good music come from Greece, come from Ukraine, come from Russia, especially in the kind of music I'm into, and I got obviously the Scandinavian scene is huge. I mean, you can get a Grammy in Scandinavia for. For, for perform music but once it's good music and people appreciate what you're doing you don't have to get chart topping music just to be recognized as being a, a good performer and a good musician because it's it's what you do it's what you want to do and it's important to yourself and as you say it's all about music but i basically. mean yeah it's true but i mean rammstein would probably be the best example of that with scorpions i'm sure the two of them together well, Ramstein, would have dominate, dominated the charts. Well, well, well Ramstein are, are just phenomenal. I mean, they're, they're they're one of the biggest bands in the world. They can. I'm not trying to plug Ramstein here. I'm just saying that I, I've seen them once, and I've seen them in a crowd of thirteen, ten, twelve thousand people, and they're, they're just they they're they're there not just to make money. I, I just got that feeling often. They're not just to make money. They're there to entertain. Just to to make sure that anybody who goes there has a good time and will go home and say to their kids or their grandparents or whoever, I've just been to Ramstein gig and I really bloody well had enjoyed it immensely and I recommend it. Next time they play, I'll go and see them. Are you a fan, Mart? No. No. So there's nothing for me at yeah. all. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Donny, what about the Irish metal scene at the moment? Um, kind of in relation to kind of what's uh, out there? Well, of course... I mean, you, there's a there's there's a lot a lot of fantastic talent in Ireland at the moment. I mean, we've already mentioned bands, uh, you know, the, 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 like the Zelic Cult and a great band from Limerick, and obviously the, uh, the 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 guys from the Swamp would be like Ten Ton Slug, and you're the guys from up the country, uh, Eternal Hellcarax, and you've uh, Cracknadita and you Soothsayer and a lot of good bands from Cork and Rabbit Bitch from the North. It's, the the Irish scene is really good. I, 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 we're kind of coming together to a certain extent. I'm looking forward now to the, I think it's the 24th of February, Urban Assault up in Cork. Um, you know, that's cool. You got that going on. Of course, you got Siege of Limerick, which is coming on later on, which is brilliant. I mean, I'm, I mean, I don't really know the promoters personally, but I must uh, compliment them on the effort and the enthusiasm. And the you know the genuine interest they have in the music and promoting music and promoting Irish bands and promoting venues and just it it's not so much about you know 
you know, being too kind of laid back. You, you just got to get in there. And I, I, I'm kind of, I'm not making excuses for myself here by saying I can't get more involved. I want to get more involved, but I, when you're working hard, and it doesn't matter. Metal is metal. Irish is Irish. I think being Irish is basically being metal. Guys that went to all those gigs back in the 80s and 90s, they seem to kind of have lost touch with the scene. And the scene itself at the moment has never been so exciting. But again, it's the type of music they're playing. Would it appeal to you, Martin, who likes these guitarists to perform these fantastic solos and stuff? Because you don't really no, get that. I, I, you won't, I won't see that anymore. Like, you know, I am... Um, my time is coming to an end now, I think, with this with this kind of stuff. No, the music will always be there. But um, I think the only kind of scene that's in, in Ireland at the moment is probably what the only is into there. Like, there's, there's no ordinary metal guitars and good singers and everything like that, really great singers. In the scene, like, you know, um, music in the pubs, as rock music is concerned, is dead. Um, people won't hire them, uh, unless you go to a metal gig or something like that. And it's a bit kind of sad. Places like the clock and the, and the ocean used to have them. In y'all. Yeah, where Big General used to play, Monkfish used to play, different bands like that, different rock bands like that. And there's no place for any of them now. And uh, it's kind of sad to see, really, in a way. There's no place for me to go now, really. So basically, kind of what you're saying is that for your age profile... Old age. Old age. I know, I know Don, Donnie is kind of going, what? But like you're kind of a traditionalist in relation to heavy metal. You like it played with guitar solos and stuff mm, like that yeah so you're looking at basically i suppose dublin really for your gigs in relation to what's coming in touring wise yeah and of course dublin is so expensive then as well isn't it oh it's just it's just so much it's just so costly to go up there for the night Um, i've always done it over all the years we'd stay overnight just to see a band but in recent times i've just gone up on the one off with uh, my son down i drive up and he'd drive back like you know but it's just so costly like you know so in relation to before we close it in relation to the great hopes of heavy metal um could you name out one or two ones that you can see yourself thinking yeah they could actually be the next metallica or, or look i know i know it's really hard to kind of say oh yeah who's gonna replace metallica you know any kind of bands there to stick out for you at the moment i just can't understand it over all these last 20 or 30 years there's nobody come and taking their crown i thought trivium i thought avenge them for you know they're not everyone's uh, taste but i do like them bands um i just I just don't know um, where metal is going. Can it keep going? Yes, rock music will always live on anyway, no matter what happens, like, you know, but um, I don't know. Donny, what about you? Again, who can take up the mantle of Metallica? I mean, we were lucky in our lifetime to be there. I mean, we, what about the next Iron Maiden? You know, we, we've really been spoiled for choice. I mean, what's out there at the moment? I, I, from my own personal experience, I think Gojira would probably be you the will, nearest will, 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 to this, you, you know. You just took the words away out and uh, cool. Gojira obviously uh, a very progressive death metal band from France and uh, two brothers in the band playing exceptional music playing exceptionally live and playing the most amazing uh, uh, gigs ever I got a buddy Donnie I did see them and I thought they were really good yeah they are very very good I uh, I actually, they played a few gigs in Ireland, and unfortunately, again, I did not get a chance to see them live. But I was over in Bloodstock um, a couple of years ago, and they were uh, on before Mastodon. And I think they came back last year. I think it was the last year, Richie McGregor. Correct, yeah, they were outstanding. They, I think they, they headlined on the Saturday or something, whatever. But they were the reception. They, were, they, they really have something special. 
they have something that uh, the crow can appreciate. They kind of cross boundaries because there's so many boundaries in them or borders in the heavy metal. But I think Gojira have kind of um, established a, a, a core fan base that, um, that that everybody loves Gojira. Not because it's trendy to like Gojira, but because they're a good bloody band. They 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 look good, they act good, they perform good. The drumming is also. I think the drummer is later to the singer, if I'm correct. Yeah. Yeah, the brothers. Eh? Yeah, the brothers. Yeah, and uh, I've seen. I, as I say, I've been very, very, very fortunate to see him twice, and I'm I'm looking forward to seeing him a third time. Uh, and, and their albums. I mean, uh, the, the last album. Actually, they have a new album coming out this year for all you guys out there. It's in the in the recording process at the moment, but the last album um, I, I can't pronounce it, but it's it's so bloody good because I have so many people who are kind of into like um, some of my friends like love a bit of a dark throne or dark funeral or some of my friends that are into like Lamb of God and stuff like that, and uh, they really really enjoyed it because I think that Gojira, for some strange reason, exude a kind of enthusiasm for music that we all enjoy. Their heart, their soul, their their background, their determination, they're just love it. And when a band play that well live and play that well in a recording studio, then fans pick up on that and they kind of go, do you know something, these guys are cool and I'm going to listen to their music and not just listen to it, but I'm going to make an effort to get in my car, put a few dollars in my back pocket, go to the local record store, and buy the fucking thing, okay? Cool. So that's what I recommend, okay? Sorry, Richard, really, am I waffling on here? No, no, it's all good. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> Lads, it was a pleasure to have you in the metal cell. Thank as, you. As prisoners for the last hour or so. Of war. Of war. So thanks very much for listening. And check out the Metal Cell podcast on Facebook and Instagram and email me at themetalcell at gmail.com. Yeah, baby, yeah.